Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? My name is David E.J. Berger. You can find me at Carl Jr. on Twitter. And welcome to Training Camp Dialed In. I'll be featuring phone calls with NFL writers and reporters from the actual sidelines of camp, getting their first-hand accounts of the action from a fantasy perspective. This is the place to be all month long, so you need to subscribe to the Fantasy Authority feed, the exclusive home of the super short-run, super niche, and super essential podcast for the month of August. And we are back. We are back. It is sad to say, but August is winding down here which also means, unfortunately, so is this podcast, only a couple episodes left. In fact, I'm a little late getting this out to you guys and gals. was a bit caught up with the fam this weekend, family first, as they say. But we're back, and today we're talking about a backfield and a receiving core that could offer some sneaky value. We're talking about the Seattle Seahawks. I dialed up Michael Sean Dugar. You can find him at Mike Dugar on Twitter. He covers the Seahawks for The Athletic. He also hosts the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast. He has been at camp all month long, and he's about to deliver the definitive guide to the 2022 Seattle Seahawks. What are we waiting for? Let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Dugar. Yo, what's going on? Hey, Michael Sean, how are you? I'm doing all right. All right, Mike, uh, I always like to start with the offense uh, as a whole first. Uh, It's a new year and a new era in Seattle. Russ is gone, but there is some carryover with head coach Pete Carroll and offensive coordinator Shane Waldron entering his second year and uh, a couple stud wide receivers here. From what you've seen and heard in camp, uh, how is this offense going to work as a whole in terms of scheme, formations, tendencies? Are we seeing lots of two tight end sets, three wide? You know, we assume, you know, the run will be established, but uh, what should we expect from uh, this Seahawks team uh, as a whole? I'm trying to of personnel probably a lot of 12 I, I would guess that's two tight ends just because they want to run the ball uh, really well uh, Pete Carroll really believes that in order to explode in the passing game you know and throw it over the defense's head you need to get them to put an eighth man in the box you now so you can get one-on-one matchups outside and he believes that to get an eighth man into the box you have to run the ball uh, effectively you know so that's kind of that established the run mindset so you're going to see a lot of games where they come out and try to run it um, on folks um, so you see that to run it you need guys who block you guys who block you want dudes who are heavy okay so that's tight ends um, so I, that would be my my guess there it doesn't mean they're not going to throw every time i talk to people about that he says they like yo it doesn't mean we're not going to throw the ball it just means that yeah, when you come out there and you start punching dudes in the mouth with the with the run game uh, it makes everything go so a lot of a lot of will disley and no offense on the field at the same time with Tyler and DK um, and Rashad Penny and, and Ken Walker, whenever he gets healthy, like those are, those are going to be their main skill guys, uh, especially from a fantasy perspective. All right. Great stuff, Mike. You've answered this next question all month. Uh, in fact, I heard you last week on VEASAN give the, the answer, but there's been a week more of practice since then. Uh, is Geno Smith still 
trending to be that starting QB or has Locke turned the heat up uh, on this competition? Yeah, I think Gino's going to be the starter. You know, he, he just the quarterback competition, you know, has played out very much like a Gino Smith led team in the regular season. You know, like Gino Smith hasn't like won the job. He just didn't do anything to lose it. You know, and that that's kind of how he plays too, and at least how he played last year in Seattle. Like he didn't he didn't necessarily do anything to go win Seattle games. You know, they smoked the Jaguars because of the Jaguars. Um, and even then there was a special teams touchdown uh in that game. And then he didn't go do anything to win those games against the Steelers uh and and the Saints. He just basically tried to hold on long enough to just not lose it. Uh and eventually did, uh, particularly in that Steelers game with the strip sack in overtime. So I think that was always going to be how this played out. It wasn't necessarily could Drew beat Gino. It was more of was Gino going to do anything to lose the job, you know? And those things look different in real time, you know? Like it's a difference between like forcing the ball up the seam, you know, in practice versus oh, never mind. I'll just check it to the running back. Right? You force that ball up the seam, you may go win the job. You check it down to the running back, they're not going to lose it. Um, and if you if the tight end catches that ball up the seam, you're good. But if it gets picked by the safety, that's how you lose the job, you know? So I think that people were people were looking at it the wrong way. Maybe that's some of us as writers and media people too, not framing it that way. But I like to think I try to do a decent job of that is frame it as it was never really, is Gino going to win the job over Drew? Is is, is Gino going to lose the job to Drew? Uh, like those are different to me. Well, I love how you framed that. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of people are, are, are framing you know, this QB, whether it's either guy in there, uh, is going to maybe you know, limit the upside on this offense. Uh, but in your opinion, you know, you, you're there. You know, is there an unforeseen upside from either of these guys? You know, maybe this Seahawks offense pops a little bit more than people are expecting. No, I think that the one thing that Seattle could make people outside of Seattle would bank on, you know, just like, hey, man. It don't matter who's throwing it. They got Tyler Lock and DK Metcalf. Anybody can get the ball to them. And, like, that makes sense. But getting the ball to DK Metcalf in practice has been a lot more difficult than you would think. And I don't and I don't think it's because Seattle's DBs are, like, all-world players, you know, particularly the corners. You know, a lot of the times they had rookie corners, you know, on DK, and the ball still can't get there. Um, I'm talking deep. I'm talking goal line fades. Um, they've been connecting on some stuff over the middle. Um, but that's a little easier to do in practice because you know, there's no threat of just getting popped um, by a safety or a linebacker. Um, but like, yeah, outside the numbers stuff, stuff in the red zone, uh, it's been they've connected on some. Like you can just Twitter search it and see that. But it's been harder than you you would like to uh, imagine it being if you're Seattle. Like if you're Seattle, you're thinking, all right, we're taking a step back at quarterback. But damn it, we got the best receiving duo in the league. If, you know, we can get the ball to them and. I mean, they're getting a lot of targets in practice, but you know, a lot of PBUs, a lot of overthrows, a lot of plays where you're just like, man, hopefully DK knows what he signed up for, you know, inking a new contract uh, with this quarterback situation. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's 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 been a little underwhelming in that specific regard, which makes me think that, like, this season could be a struggle because if you can't get the ball to those two consistently in practice, you know, how much harder is it going to be in the game when the schemes are harder? The pass rush can actually hit you in the face, you know, and the corners get better. Yeah, so uh, it, it, it could – I don't see any long-term upside with either guy. 
Okay, well, I did want to ask uh, about DK and Tyler uh, as individual players. You know, let's pull quarterback out of it for a minute. Uh, I don't feel like there's enough talk about, you know, them and their individual camps. How have these guys trended this month themselves? Oh, Tyler's always great in practice just because he's like, he's at the point in his career where he probably don't even need to practice. Really. He doesn't need to practice like with an 11 on 11 or 7 on 7 to get better. You know, like he just, he can do things on his own you know, to work on little skills, releases, or, you know, the ti- the t- timing at the top of a certain route, you know, he can just run that on air off to the side for two hours every day. And then he would get, he would get better. He's kind of just, he, he's got such a great feel for the game and it's kind of natural for him. You know, his uncle played in the NFL. His dad played in the NFL. They both set a gazillion records at Kansas state. And then Tyler went on to go break a bunch of them. So like, he, and I think Tyler's mom ran track or something like that in high school. So maybe in college as well. So he just got like natural speed natural feel of being a receiver because both of his his uncle and his dad are receivers so he's just unguardable in practice for the most part like if the ball is on target he's gonna catch it he's probably gonna be open and if he's not open he probably still catch um so like he's the only guy you know when i watch uh receivers go up against Tariq Woolen, their 6-4 rookie uh from the fifth round tyler gets open against that dude whenever he wants like he uses Tyreek's length against him, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, Tyler is lower to the ground and can be shifty and, and can cut a little quicker and like watching those two go, go at it in one-on-ones, like Tariq does a good job, but you can see like, if you just watch the two of them, you'd be like, oh, okay, number 16 has been in the league for a while. Like even if you just were only looking at the numbers. Um, DK, I, sometimes I just feel, feel bad for him, man. He's, he can get open, you know, and if he's not open, throw it. You know, I think that's, that's where um, having Gino probably, decreases uh dk's fantasy value a little bit because you know drew might force it to him right it doesn't seem like gino wants to force anything you know which is fine he plays for a risk averse coach but man i feel like there's a lot more opportunities for dk to have catches like he had uh against the jaguars uh over Shaquille griffin in the, in the red zone that was a throw from gino where it's just like you know what he's covered but give him a chance you know like russ will give him those chances every now and then but i feel like this year in particular like Gino would do himself some. Gino would do himself some good and DK some good if he was just like you know how that meme is on Twitter. Like you know what, screw it. Such and such is down there somewhere. You know, like that's how DK needs to be treated, man. Because his catch radius is crazy, but you just don't see it that much in practice. This is why we're here, Mike. Uh, this is uh, I'm loving this. Okay, well, any other wide receivers uh, you know gonna pop up? It sounds like it's not great for the top two guys, but you know, D. Eskridge enters his second year. They traded for JJ Ortega Whiteside. You know, is there any chance for any other guys to? to pop up, uh, maybe pay off on a DFS slate every now and then. What's the outlook for the, the guys uh, behind the top two guys? Um, not very good. Um, I think that in general, and I talked, I was I made a joke to this, to the, to the ESPN guy, Brady Henderson, the other day. I was like, man, one of somebody at our companies should like crunch the numbers and like spit out what the average season, I would say, let's take it the last 10 years, maybe, maybe last five the average season for a team's number three wide receiver. Like, what does that look like? And I bet you it's a lot more underwhelming than people imagine. You know, like a number three receiver is important, but he doesn't really put up numbers. Like, even on a really good team, you know, like, it's really rare. And I mean the number three receiver, not the number three pass catcher. So exclude a running back or a tight end. Just take the average season. Like, you may get an outlier season from somebody. Like, maybe Michael Gallup had a good year last year or something. Um, You know, being the number three to to CD and Amari, but in general, the third guy just, you really just hope he just wins some one-on-one coverage, catches some passes on third down, 
you know, stuff stuff like that. So I really, I I, I, I tend to have really low expectations for number three receivers, man. If a guy catches 35 balls for like 400 yards, four or five touchdowns, boy, that's, a, that's a great year, you know, for, for a number three, especially when the number two is like a, is like a Tyler Lockett, you know, or a DK Metcalf. So I don't really, I think DK, uh, DS kids will be, have some, have some splash plays. You know, if Marquise Goodman's healthy, which he should be, he'll have some as well. But I think just in terms of a year-long fantasy outlet, their value really just will come if, if DK or Tyler gets hurt. Where we might need the help the most is in the running back room. Uh, Ken Walker is dealing with a hernia injury. It sounds like he has surgery, uh, and it seems like Rashad Penny will be the guy in week one. Uh, he was a top running back in fantasy the last month or so of the season. Uh, but there's also talk about Travis Homer being the pass catching back ahead of DJ Dallas, who could still factor in himself. Uh, there's a lot of guys here. You know, we mentioned it being run heavy and we know Pete Carroll loves his running backs. Can you help us figure this out? How's this going to play out in 2022? You know, if you'd asked me that a month ago, I would have just told you, you know, Ken Walker and, and Rashad Penny will be the, the, the early down guys. And the only time you'll see DJ Dallas and Travis Homer is on, is on third down. And I, I feel like, man, you know what? It's not even a coincidence, you know, because I talked to DJ Dallas early in camp and he was like, yeah, I feel slept on. Like, I feel underrated. Like, y'all going to see he's had a really good camp, probably the best camp he's had running between the tackles. You know, you can see that against um, the Steelers in particular, the the first preseason game. And then Travis, Travis might be average like nine yards a carry in the preseason. And it's not like he's getting, you know, third and 12 carries and then picking up like 10 yards, you know, like that's, that's kind of how his career has gone. You know, that's why I like EPA expect the points added when it comes to running backs and accounts for stupid stuff like that. But now, nah, man, he's like picking up like 16 yards on first and 10 running between the tackles really well. Um, and I think, I, I think DJ and Travis kind of saw them draft Ken Walker and Ken be the focus of the run game. And they're like, wait a minute, we've been here for a little bit, you know? So now I think actually both those guys could be, between the tackles runners, which is like bad news from a fantasy standpoint, because then you get like the running back, the dreaded running back by committee thing. But I think while Ken's hurt right now and uh, Rashad's actually out with COVID uh, right now, like DJ and Dal- DJ and Travis have you know perhaps more value than they they had you know maybe if you'd asked me that in late July. They both look really good, um, and even Pete Carroll said the other day he was like, I have no problem handing the ball to Travis on first or second down. That's something Pete would not have said in any of the past three years. Cause for concern for Penny drafters. We're pocketing that information and knowing Penny might split some carries here. All right, Mike, let's round to the finish in the tight end room. Noah Fant has all the making of a fantasy stud from his profile, but he's a true question mark now that he's in Seattle. It sounds like he's going to be on the field a lot in these 12 12 personnel sets along with Will Disley. You know, how has Fant looked and, and what should we expect from these tight ends? Yeah, Noah's been a lot more quiet than I would have than I would have thought um, in this offense. I'm not even sure how many times I've seen him catch a touchdown. I mean, in practice, I'd have to go check my notes. I mean, I'm sure he's had a, a few, but maybe like one or two in, my, in the day, in the days of practice that I saw. I missed like three days in early August, but been out there every other day uh, since. I don't know if that'll translate to the regular season. You know, Noah's had a couple uh, big catch, explosive catches uh, in the preseason, but man, yeah, it, I, I expected based on the numbers, because I don't really watch a bunch of Denver Prior to this season, you know, I've went, I've gone back and watched some Denver tape just to see Drew and just see a little bit of Noah. And, like, Noah looked really good. But I think part of that was he wasn't on a team with Tyler Lock and DK Metcalf. So I think he won't – he's had, like, top 10, top 12-ish tight end production since he entered the league as a first-round pick in 2019. 
I don't know if that continues just because A, he's on a run first offense, and B, he's with two two other pass catchers who are like noticeably better and who deserve the ball in obvious passing situations like that. All right, Mike, uh, I have one final question, uh, but it's a bit of a toughie. I'm going to make you put yourself out there. All right. All right. Uh, what's your boldest fantasy prediction for the Seahawks team in 2022? I, don't know, I think, I don't know if it's bold. I think Ken Walker will end up being their leading rusher. I, I think, I just think that that kid, once he gets right, man, he's, he's probably the most talented guy they got, man. Like, I don't know what the, um, the rookie of the year odds are. I think George Pickens maybe leads or something like that. Um, maybe Kenny Pickett, uh, although that might drop. I, I just read that Trubisky's the starter, but. Yeah, I think Ken should be considered with all the guys named or mentioned in that discussion uh, for offensive rookie of the year, man. That kid, he's, I call him a kid. I'm only 30, but yeah, that Ken is, Ken is a special talent, man. He's, he's perfect for this, this run game. And it might be one of those situations where, man, it takes Rashad to just have one little nagging thing and for Ken to get a bunch more carries and then just get hot. I get to see Ken getting hot behind this old line. So, uh, I don't know how bold that is, but like I think, I think the ceiling is very high for Ken Walker and early too. Like I don't, I don't think it'll take two years, two, two or three years down the line for us to be like, oh, this Ken Walker kid's nasty. Like I would t- saying that, but like week three if he's healthy. Do you have uh, one more minute to give us some more hardcore Ken Walker content here? Uh, we we kind of skipped over him a little bit. He's sidelined with the hernia. Sounds like you're pretty high on him. And, and should people be, you know, taking advantage of his dipping ADP with this injury news? It depends on like the team, team of, your, your league size and all that rocky bench bench size. Um, like I'm in a 14 team, three bench spots, PPR. So like Ken's probably going to fall pretty far. Um, but you know, I'm gonna try to get him. Um, it, but it'll probably be like a stash type of thing. I don't think he'll come out the data as the guy. Like you said, he's got a hernia issue. And there's no timeline for his return. So there's going to be a big queue next to him, uh, for questionable. So it can't like take him too high, but if you do, man, he just, once he gets on the field, I think if you can, I'll put it that way. If you can be patient, like you're in a team with like a bunch of bench spots, like I'm in one of like a 10 team with like seven bench spots, which is way too many. If you're in one of those, yeah, you can go ahead and you got the luxury of taking Ken and sitting on him until he goes. Cause like I said, I do think that when he, when he gets going, um, he'll be a really explosive dude. I think he, he and Rashad, they both have that like second gear to get to the end zone, you know, like, Chris Carson, I think longest run is like 60 yards. I think he has two of that length and he didn't score on either one of them. Uh, and one of them, I think he actually fumbled. Uh, but like actually two of them, he might have fumbled on both. But anyway, my point is that Chris had really good speed, but Chris Carson was not like a game breaker in that way. He was more like a thumper. Whereas you let Rashad get the corner or Ken get the corner, they're going to score. And I think that's just, that's the difference. Uh, you know, you see Saquon do that. You see Zeke do that sometimes. You know, the big chub. The guys who can hit Derrick Henry, the guys who can hit the corner and go, yeah, that's that's what Ken's going to be, I believe. This has been incredible, uh, much-needed information uh, for us fantasy degenerates, Mike. Uh, you can find him at Mike Dugar on Twitter. He covers the Seahawks for The Athletic, and if you don't subscribe to The Athletic at this point, I don't know what you're doing. He also hosts a Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Anything else uh, you got going? No, the, the, the podcast and, uh, and The Athletic is the main thing to subscribe to the podcast we're on youtube spotify seahawks man to man that's the number two uh man i should have prefaced all of that fantasy insight with that i am a not good fantasy player like relative to my knowledge of football 
my like I'm I, I don't end up last in all my leagues, but you know what I mean. Like relative to me knowing, I know a lot about football. I talk X and O's with you for a while. That does not translate to fantasy success at all. I just want to clarify that. Like I'm not the fantasy guru at the Athletic. That is our guy. I think his name is Nuno. I mean, something like that. Like those guys. Those guys at the Athletic. They know the stuff. Well, you've provided clarity on all the rooms in Seattle, so uh, I think gamers and drafters are are, are excited to uh, walk away with that information uh, and take that into draft day. So thank you once again, and uh, have a great season. All right, thanks for having me. Thank you. Ken Walker, late season league winner. You are now dialed in. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.